Hello and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. Failure is not necessarily a bad thing, according to Financial Times correspondent Tim Harford. In his new book, he argues the world has become so complex, it's only through trial and error we can find solutions to the problems that confront us, from climate change to poverty to financial crises. In the second of this two-part conversation with former IMF chief economist Simon Johnson, Harford explains how this idea of trial and error applies to the financial sector. The, the basic message that I drew from the financial crisis is when, when markets are working well, they experiment um, very effectively. And that's the real gift of markets. You have lots and lots of different ideas going on. And the ideas are pretty ruthlessly weeded out if they're not working and they're replaced with better ideas. In a nutshell, my real concern about the financial sector was the way it's currently structured, it seems to be very difficult to get those small failures and we have the phrase now, too big to fail, it's become ubiquitous. But there's a really important truth there. Um, can we structure the financial system in a way that, you know, in future, we'd be quite happy to let an AIG go bankrupt? Or if we did let a Lehman Brothers go bankrupt, the consequences for the system wouldn't be nearly so severe. Look, I, I agree with absolutely everything you said. And I think if you have a system with more competition and, and more room for this kind of experimentation, you can push aside the bad ideas and the new ideas can rise up. In some parts of the economy, and you do a good job talking about some of the technology sectors, for example, that if you get big and fat and arrogant, somebody's going to come along and eat your lunch. But it doesn't happen for the military. The Federal Reserve is, is another one that, that I have my concerns about exactly in, in this context. When you operate a market or try to operate a market and you, you can't fail, your organization can't fail, and that's, I think the, the term too big to fail is a cliche, but, it, but it's accurate, then you get massive distortions. And, and I think that, and I think the financial sector as a whole, what's our system today compared to what it was in the run-up to 2008, the crisis. It's not any better, and maybe it's worse. Maybe we've enshrined more firmly, both in the United States and in Western Europe, the doctrine of too big to fail. We certainly have, and one hopes that regulators are, will take action, but I think you're particularly skeptical, and I'm, I'm not entirely hopeful. It's interesting to reflect on uh, the different incentives for experimentation in, in different industries, and, and not just industries, in different parts of society. When I think about most well-functioning markets, we, we're quite happy to have 100 failures if we have one big success. You know, a lot of dot-com companies can go under and justify the existence of a Google or a Facebook. In science, there's actually something similar. The scientific method is, is really good at, at getting rid of weak ideas and replacing them with stronger ideas. That's the whole, clearly it's imperfect, but that's the whole uh, raison d'etre of science. Uh, and again, you can have 100 failed experiments, 100 failed theories, uh, as long as you've got that selection pressure. When I think about the financial sector, there's basically no selection at all. You can have good ideas or bad ideas, and we find out too late whether the ideas are good or bad. If there's one message I hope gets out from the book, it's that because the world is complicated, therefore failure is ubiquitous. And because failure is ubiquitous, it is essential that we have systems that weed out failures and replace them with better ideas. Whether it's the scientific method, whether it's the way we try to structure our banking system, or just trying to make markets work better and work in a competitive way, that's the thing. I guess I would just, I would just add or, or, or try and nudge you in, in, in two directions. First of all, the market, and this is back to, this is back to Smith and this is back to uh, Mill in, in the 19th century. All of these English, at that time British liberals, they wanted markets to oppose power, privilege, 
and the old elite. Now, what I fear happens today is, is that our elite has got a lot smarter and they're much better at using many of the modern tools, including around finance, to twist markets or the rhetoric of markets or the appearance of markets to produce exactly the opposite of the outcomes that you're looking for in this book. I, I agree with at least part of that, and there is some evidence that that's true. Um, there's also cause for hope. So if we look at the evidence, uh, Randall Mork and a couple of other economists have done research on the relationship between creative destruction and economic growth. So very simply, just looking at countries across the world, look at the 10 biggest employers, private sector employers, and look at the rate of turnover in that list of 10. How often do uh, companies drop out and get replaced by other companies? And what they find is countries with higher turnover, in other words, with more corporate failure, grow faster. So I, I think there are very good reasons for pessimism, but I think there are some reasons for optimism as well. If I could speak out for the pessimist for a moment. I, I argue issues around financial sector regulation day in, day out. That's a big part of what I do. And I can tell you the people on the other side, the people representing the best interests, people who don't want change, people who want to be able to make money in this non-risk-adjusted, very dangerous way, they have at their disposal the best lawyers, the best consultants, the best technology. They are working opinion polls. They are talking on Capitol Hill. They are putting out disinformation campaigns. So the same technology, the same process, you should think about it also in the hands of people who just want to pursue narrow self-interest around power, privilege, and prestige. Like any technology, trial and error is something that can be used for good purposes and, and for bad. Ultimately, what the book is about is how do complex problems get solved. And I can't disagree that you know, one complex problem might be how can we defeat uh, the US Army from the point of view of a terrorist organization, or how can we ensure uh, vested interests in the financial system stay vested interests. I think the book is ultimately, um, if you allow me, about democracy and about why democracy has had a very good 400 years. Because if you have a system with more competition and, and more room for this kind of experimentation, you can push aside the bad ideas and the new ideas can rise up. And the other ways of organizing societies were not so good at, at essentially that. And there's a presumption and there's an arrogance in the Western world that because we've had this good run, we'll always be democratic. But we can look, look back in history and find plenty of societies that when the nature of the economy changed and the nature of the, the technology changed, there, the, there was a movement away from democracy. And, um, and Churchill, of course, said democracy, something like democracy is the worst of all possible systems apart from all the alternatives. So I fear we're going to encounter some more of those alternatives. Well, we'll have to see. Uh, one of the things I write about early in the book is the record of forecasters and prognosticators. And uh, my point is the reason that forecasts are so difficult is because the world is so complex. It's, a, it's not a symptom of experts being blowhards and charlatans, it's a it's a symptom of the world just being too complex to predict. So you've made a prediction, or at least you, f you fear a certain outcome. I hope you're wrong, uh, but neither of us are going to know until it happens. Well, if I'm wrong, I will tell you that uh, I will argue that it was because I made my prediction and people like you listened and, and went away and wrote columns that changed the world. We're all listening to you, Simon. <laughs> Thank you very much. Tim. Thank you. Tim Harford is the author of Adapt, Why Success Always Starts With Failure. And I'm Simon Johnson. And you can hear more podcasts with top economic writers on our website, www.imf.org slash podcasts.